At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Our final... Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers, Tim Benz, and Mike Pursuta. At least our final one with Mike until football season rolls around. We've got lots to get to to wrap up from our gambling experiences this past week. Some good in baseball, some bad in baseball. Some dumbass on our part. (laughs) Can't leave good enough alone on our part. And Mike, I guess it uh, wrapped up bad for you in hockey as well, huh? Yeah, but before we get to that, Tim, I got a favor to ask. What's that? That's uh, if if you ever, and I mean ever, hear me say, you know, I kind of like the Pirates tonight. I want <laughs> you to reach through your computer, through your Zoom, from your palatial north side estate or wherever you happen to be, and reach through my computer, reach through my Zoom from my palatial export estate or wherever I may be. And I want you to punch me in the head repeatedly until I stop saying stupid stuff. Like I think the pirates are a good play tonight. Well, you didn't risk as much on them as to bite into your Minnesota twins winnings on the layup. That was the second half of the double header. Did you, I mean, like, was it significant? Did it, did at least it's squashed. had to pale in comparison to what you were throwing down on that. No, it squashed it. Um, uh, and, and the, the game you're referencing, and uh, I'm, I'm sure people are aware by now, if, if you're just catching up with the momentum of this podcast and you've heard everybody talking about it, and you're tuning in for the first time just to hear for yourself how, how truly inspiring it really is. Uh, for a couple of months, we've been on the uh, bet the second team in the doubleheader, the team that loses the first game. 
bet on them in the second game. Now it's really hit at an incredible clip. I wish I had a number for you, but trust me, it's, it's worked out way more often than not. Yeah. And yeah. Tim yesterday was the poster child for this theory because the twins and the Indians were playing two in Cleveland. These are two teams that are about as evenly matched as you can find their division rivals. They're fighting it out for the AFC central championship and Cleveland won the first game. So you knew Minnesota was the play in the second game. I think it ended six, nothing or something like that. Uh, a layup, as you pointed out on the text, uh, we were texting yesterday about this very thing, but I got the bright idea that the nationals being favored over the pirates was a crime against humanity because the nationals shouldn't be favored over anybody, particularly when Patrick I'm three and 10 with a 6.60 ERA That's Corbin. That's what it was. Is, is pitching and Quintana's on the mound for the pirates. So you figure, okay, Quintana's going to give him his credible six innings. Like he's done almost every time yep. a couple, three times he didn't, but he's been pretty reliable. Pirates lost the first game of the series between, you know, being contested by two crappy teams. So the pirates will win the second. No, no. Why? Why did I think just take the win and move on? Have a milkshake. Go to bed. Wake up the next day and find another winner and keep what? Why push the envelope? What? Because that's why we do this. Because that's why we're doing this podcast. Because you can't just have one. It's like a Pringle. You can't yeah. just have one. That's that's it. That little hubris creeping in. Oh, the Nationals shouldn't be favored over anybody. Vegas is wrong, and I'm going to stick it to them because they're wrong. No, they were right. Well, the Corbin thing is what sucked me in on that. The Quintana thing certainly helped, but I did not go as big on the Pirates or close to it. It nibbled at the winnings that I had, nibbled at it, but I really did go bigger on the doubleheader thing because of the exact reasons you pointed out. For all the times we've seen this thing work out, we've seen it when the teams have been disproportionately pitted against one another. And it still works out. Yeah, lesser pitcher, lesser team, and they still win the second game. This is a 50-50 coin flip after a close game for two teams battling it out for first place. Of course, the losing team the first game was going to win. Yeah, and it was a nice follow-up to uh, your good call on Monday, uh, studying the board as you do and noticing that there were two pretty good pitchers scheduled to pitch in Colorado. That. You probably were attracted to that because of the two X buckos. Oh yeah, I, mean, I always do the X bucko thing. Yeah. I always go X bucko and under because every good pitcher leaves Pittsburgh. So if they face each other, surely it's going to be a pitcher's duel. But Tyler Anderson and the Dodgers against Chad Cool of the Rockies, and they're playing a Coors Field, so the over under was uh, over inflated at eleven, 11 and, a and, half. and a half. And you texted me and said, hey, "This looks pretty good, doesn't it?" I think yes, it does. But I will tell you this: I watched that game. Chad Cool went the distance. Nine innings shutout, uh, the type of thing that's rarely seen the way they've bastardized Major League Baseball in terms of how it's actually played. But, boy, when you're watching a game at Coors Field, it doesn't matter. Dodgers have two hits through five innings or whatever it was. Every time you hit a fly ball, you see a fly ball get hit in that place. You think it's going out until the, <laughs> until the camera switches shots to the outfield or, you know, he's camping under on the right side of the warning track. Um, but yeah, that was an easy one. There's always a winner on the board in baseball. If you can just find it and be happy with that, you can have a great summer. Are you happy with betting against Mitch Keller today? I know that this podcast will post likely as Mitch Keller is getting to the mound for the pirates against the nationals, but is this bet against Mitch Keller Wednesday? 
Not for me. This is leave the effing Pirates alone. I've got them under 65 and a half for the season. I'm, I'm just going to be happy with that. I'm no longer going to try to uh, predict their their future game by game. Um, I, I can't believe they lost yesterday. Wouldn't surprise me if I bet against Keller today and he throws a no hitter uh, the way I'm going with the Pirates. <laughs> but I think they stink. I don't think they're going to win 65 games. I don't think they're going to win 60 games. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll take the the futures bet that I made back in April, the uh, under for the season, and and then I'll move on and, and find something else. Well, the Pirates are entering this game as plus 123 underdogs. If you want them on the run line at plus a run and a half, it's minus 175. The over-under in this one with Keller pitching is at nine and a half. They've got the Milwaukee Brewers coming up next, and they're getting them as Andrew McCutcheon's getting hot. He's got six a six-game hit streak. He's got three homers in those six games. Uh, I might be betting Brewers, and I might be throwing some down on Kutch to get a homer or two at PNC Park. Yeah, they don't do very well against the Brewers, and they've got the Yankees after that. So, uh, Well, that might be when you get back into the Pirates. I can sense that. I can sense you getting back into the Pirates when they play the Yankees, especially if it's like Cole or Tyon pitching against yeah. them, right? Oh, hey, who am I kidding? I'm going to get back on them at some point. I'm just really frustrated with myself for, again, what I try to do in baseball, we've talked about a lot of these trends, whether it's uh, Alec Manoa of Toronto. Going today. Who's pitching tonight against the Red Sox who don't have their closer because he didn't want to get the vaccine. Uh, <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, we, we, the good pitchers, uh, Musgrove, uh, you've been on him a lot. Uh, have, the, yeah. the, the guy for Tampa, McClanahan. Um, uh, McClanahan's been a bank for me. He has been a bank teller for me. My whole thing, the Mets after a loss, which is also in play uh, this afternoon. Uh, phenomenal record there. The Braves going against a left-hander. I've tried and with uh, good enough success this summer to just play the trends and don't try to zero in on one night, uh, play what is statistically very likely to happen. And you stay ahead of the chains. When you jump away from that, you get what you get last night with, I got, you know, what I deserve because uh, why would you think the pirates are going to win any game? You go with the Mets against the Astros. You bet your ass with Verlander out there. Yeah, I'll take the Mets as a dog at plus 120 because it's been working because it's been working. And I throw the Yankees in there a lot because they're on a historic pace to break the uh, record of 116 uh, regular season wins. So you just play them. That's there's some of your parlay. Uh, and then uh, I, I think the uh, the Mets Astros is obviously iffy. But again, the Mets have a ridiculously good record after losses. So I'm going to keep riding that train. You know what? After I think it's after the Yankees two games, don't they go to Cincinnati, the Pirates, for a one-day doubleheader? Don't they have that looming? They have a weird is it is it it's either right before or right after the Yankees series where they go to Cincinnati for one day and play a doubleheader. Now, what well, if the if, Pirates lose the first game? Do you take them against the Reds? Then I'm on them in the second game. Oh. Yeah, they <laughs> They've already done that against the Reds. They, they split they yeah, split they with the Reds in a doubleheader. They split with the Tigers in a doubleheader because those are teams that uh, they should be playing. Yeah, exactly. Those are kind of closely contested games like that. Yeah. But bad team versus bad team is a tough one. That's a tough one to, it's tough throw to your money watch. On. Yeah, it's, tough it's to really watch. hard to watch. You know, the other games I like today, you brought up Manoa. 167 minus 167 against the Red Sox. I'm going to go the other way and take the Astros with Verlander. 
the Dodgers have to beat the Rockies now, don't they? After Boy, losing them twice in a row. Surprising so far. Uh, who, who are we? Curious uh, is pitching. You would think, but uh, minus still- 200. There's still minus money on the run line. I was thinking about taking them on the run line, and it's still minus money at minus 132. Yeah, they're not uh, they're not expecting a rocky sweep either. Apparently, um, I, I, games like that I try to put into a parlay. Uh, I hate those big minuses. You know, that's how you get yourself uh, behind the chains pretty quickly. Kind of like a quarterback. Said- you know, if you if you take a five step drop and the protection breaks down and it's first down, just take the sack. They'll turn around and run backwards and make it second and twenty two instead of second and fifteen. What I decided to do was take the Yankees at minus 305 and parlay it uh, with the Dodgers. It comes out to just about even money practically. But oh, little... You did that last night, right? Yeah. but I so do, better... do it again tonight. Yeah. I, I admire the stubbornness there. It can't happen twice in a row, except I guess what could happen this time is the Dodgers could win and the A's could beat the Yankees because Tyon hasn't been as good lately for, for New York. Yeah, I don't know. The A's are pretty bad. And the Yankees are uh, – well, they, they've – by their standard, they've scuffled a bit lately, but uh, they're they're majestic. I got to tell you, I, and I know they're an easy team to hate, uh, you know, because they're from New York and because they have all those championships and because they try to buy the pennant and all that. Uh, Sunday, I was watching the Yankees because I had interest in them, and they were being no hit through six innings by Houston after a three-pitcher no-hitter the previous night. And all of a sudden, they start hitting dingers, and they end up winning it on an Aaron Judge three-run dinger in the 10th yeah. inning. And the, the big ballpark in the Bronx is full, and the sun is shining brightly on the pinstripes. And it's just they're the greatest show in sports right now. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. They, they are maniacally committed to ending what for them is a long and uh, historic World Series drought. And I think they're going to do it. They, I don't know if they're going to get to 116 or not because they might not care about September. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're going all the way. Uh, they can out-hit you. They can out-pitch you. They can come from behind. They can pound you. They can win close games. And uh, their new closer, Clay Holmes, is really good. Yeah, where'd that guy come from? He's uh, nudged. Uh, I know Chapman's hurt, but uh, from what I'm hearing from up there, uh, Clay Holmes is going to remain the closer when Chapman comes back. Uh, he's just done that well. All right, we'll get to hockey in just a second. I got to remind folks, though, that it is Wimbledon week, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your go to sportsbook for all tennis related betting. <laughs> Today through the 4th of July, <laughs> place a $25 wager on Wimbledon at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook for a free $10 Bet Rivers live bet to use on any Wimbledon match. Can I bet the McEnroe's going to explode on the linesman? <laughs> Simply log on to the Bet Rivers app, and now you can even live stream tennis matches right from Bet Rivers online sportsbook. It is presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Mike, as I look right now, Pittsburgh's own Allison Risk minus 480. If you want to live bet her as she's taking part in her second round match, uh, tennis, Tim. Uh, I got nothing for you. What was, the, remember, I, uh, what was, where absolutely was nothing. I got one story about tennis when I was in college. I'll give you my uh, tennis story after yours. Go ahead. One of the girls I worked with, uh, on our staff at the state news, uh, she was a student reporter as I was, and, uh, she was pretty good, but she liked, uh, tennis and she liked events and we we're sitting around the newsroom one day. It was like a Thursday. And she said, how about I invite everybody to, uh, my apartment 
to watch Wimbledon on Saturday morning. Uh, we can have Sherry's strawberries and cream or whatever it is. Yeah. It's their thing. And the guys were just looking at her like, we're all going to be up drinking till 4 a.m. You think we're getting up on Saturday <laughs> to watch tennis? Like, what are you, high? But it's Lendl McEnroe. It's going to be really good. <laughs> That's my tennis story. Well, you know, the um, I can't remember which court it was at now, but don't you remember a couple of years ago? We've talked about this before. A couple of years ago, there was some live tennis betting controversy, and there was a guy in Pittsburgh that was at the center of it. Do you remember that? I don't. There was I, do some- wish, I, I wish they had the old uh, world team tennis back so I could root for Ilya Nastassi and your Pittsburgh Triangles and Yvonne Gulagon Cauley. Where would they play now? Would they put him over at Highmark or something like that? Yeah. Oh, outside. Look at, look at the buildings. It yeah. wouldn't even matter if the tennis is good or not. You can look at buildings. <laughs> That's right. And Nutting could own the team. Nutting could own the team and have Pete Sampras and Rafael Nadal and trade him for futures picks. 14-year-olds from Upper St. Clair or something like that. You know, if the Penguins hit the skids here and things go sour with free agency in the draft and they start, you know, rocketing back down the league's overall standings, they don't have to worry about ticket sales sagging. All they got to do is knock a hole in the wall so you can look at shales while you're watching them lose to the Rangers. <laughs> there was a story, though. I remember this. I think it was a, a match in Pittsburgh was at the center of it where a player, and it was some secondary tour. I don't even think it was like a WTC or WTA event or whatever. It was some secondary tour, but people were betting on it. And there was a player in the tournament that was giving cues to gamblers because they were ahead on a phone call or a text of the live betting. <laughs> like this was, I'm now intrigued by this story. It's somewhere out there. I'll try to find it maybe during the commercial break or something. But there was a guy who was sitting in the stands. He was saying, okay, you know, this player won this point. This player won that point. And they were ahead on the live betting. So people were getting in because it's not, you know, nationally broadcast or anything like that. You know, there's a little bit slow. The results are getting in slow and you could get ahead on tennis and people are making bank betting individual points and individual games on tennis, live betting it and making cash on it. So I'm all for anything that's fixed. I mean, yeah, just (laughs) that's right. Include me in on the fix. By the way, uh, before we get off uh, baseball entirely, uh, Alec Manoa, April 28th against your Red Sox, seven innings pitch, three hits, no runs, no earned runs, one walk, seven Ks. There's Vlad who messed up anybody who bet on the Reds, Red Sox last night, right? Yeah. The, uh, well, that and the closer who didn't get vaccinated and wasn't available. Manoa is to play tonight. He's the winner. Uh, now, I've got it right now. I've got it teased with the Yankees and the Mets. But uh, regardless of how those afternoon games come out, I'm going to play the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Blind solo with them tonight, Tim. Before we get to the break, Mike, let's wrap up hockey and what we saw in game six of the Stanley Cup finals. I know you had gotten in on the lightning, then got back in on the lightning after the Odds expanded following their game. What was it, game one or game two loss? When did you jump back in on them both? After two. After two. So the odds were really in it your got, favor. It got night. real attractive after seven, nothing. Yeah. Um, another, you know, I, I knew this was a possibility when I bet the lightning. Uh, I think I've mentioned before on these programs, one of my uh, gambling uh, faux pas is when teams are good to me, I fall in love with them. 
And uh, I'm here to tell you, I fell in love with the Tampa Bay Lightning again. A team full this, of Alec Manoas. This postseason, uh, they've been good to me the last two years. And this year, I bet them in the first round against Toronto. When they fell behind in that series, I bet them again. Uh, I bet them in the second round against Florida. Now, this time, they didn't have the good taste to fall behind and, and give me some more juicy odds. They just swept it. They just and made it I, easy on you to know that money was there yeah. and you could live big elsewhere. I bet him three times in that friggin' Rangers series. And, uh, you know, into the final, the snowball's rolling downhill. I knew Colorado was the better team. I knew Colorado was likely to win it. But Tampa was the dog to start. And then Tampa was really the dog after that 7 nothing loss in game two. So uh, what I went on Tampa, one, two, three, six times, then I lost twice in the final. I'll live with that kind of exchange. Two things on the final. Is Tampa done? Is Absolutely. Colorado a no. multi-cup team? Possibly. Uh, but I don't think Tampa's done. I don't think so uh, either. I think as long as they have Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos, and Kucherov, uh, they're very much in the conversation. Those guys are all under contract for a long time, except for I think Stamkos is one year after this. Yeah, well, he's he's a little older, uh, yeah. right? But, uh, they. Hey, they had some injuries. The championship teams find a way to overcome them. But Colorado did a good job of squashing the stars. Uh, I think Kucherov was banged up. Uh, what was it game four that he got uh, cross-checked into the ice? The uh, the cross-check down instead yeah, of the... It was actually earlier than that, wasn't it? Uh, Braden Point was a no-show except for a very brief uh, period of time in that series. You know, their power play uh, went MIA. And uh, to me, that was the difference in the series. Colorado was very good with the man advantage in Tampa was, you know, what one or two for a whole bunch uh, just couldn't come through. But uh, as, as well as the avalanche played, and everybody's talking about that third period when they only gave up four shots on goal and really kind of boa constrictor the game, they came out in the first couple minutes and iced the puck twice and gave up a two on one uh, Perry and Kucherov and Kucherov ended up missing the net. I think he caught a little bit of the outside post, but that close to tying that thing up early in the third period and getting the momentum back. Uh, I don't know if Colorado is uh, a multiple cup team or not. It'd be interesting to see what will happen with uh, Darcy Kemper because he's yeah, a free agent. The he's goal a free thing, agent, the if I'm not thing mistaken. Is big question. Yes, he is. And Francois is a $2 million guy. Like, yeah. you know, everybody's talking about flurry to the Penguins. What about flurry to the Avs? That makes more sense, I think. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Kemper takes his cup and uh, cashes in on it or if he comes back, if they get somebody better, if they get somebody worse. Uh, certainly got a lot of elements. Uh, Nachuskin's a free agent too, right? I believe he is, yeah. Um, he, he turned out to be a pretty critical guy for them in the postseason. I think he uh, played above his expectation level in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, certainly had it going on this year and certainly a deserving champ. But, uh, hey, I'm proud of my lightning, Tim. They're like your Alabama come college football season. I know that. Yeah. You just, you got to, and that's another team that I've uh, fallen in love with to excess on occasion. Uh, it's kind of fun doing it that way. You know, you're rooting for your money, but uh, these guys grow on you. What can I say? All right. When we come back, we will talk about hockey for one last time going into the off season with Mike. And we'll take one last look at the Steelers before we get into the Steelers. And Mike will be back the end of August, early September, when we get into college football and pro football, but we'll have one more segment. We come back and uh, give you some parting Steelers thoughts 
Talk a little bit about Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver contracts that are being handed out, and the latest surrounding the offseason news for the Penguins, NHL free agency, and the draft. All that's coming up. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Continuing on the Pittsburgh CityCast, Mike Pursuit of Tim Benz. Final edition with Mike for a while. We'll check back in with Mike towards the end of August, early September. You want to get in right before week zero of college football, Mike, right around Labor Day? Well, certainly at the latest. Can we do preseason? Oh, preseason's a, a, a land of milk and honey. Okay, we'll do preseason then. We'll get seriously, back. You, you start betting preseason and everybody's, oh, you got a problem. Really? You find those matchups where you know one team really cares and the other team couldn't care less. How do you think those play out? Now who's got a problem? You got a problem with money? That's, <laughs> that's usually my response. We, we're getting in before uh, All right. the preseason. No, wait a minute. Who did the Steelers play in the preseason? You just piqued my curiosity there. They got a lot of teams that also need to figure out positions, don't they? They got like the well, Lions and the Colts. and I know Seattle has to come here. Yeah. I bet, the, I bet the Seahawks are really fired up about that. With Baker Mayfield as the quarterback, potentially. <laughs> How about that? What if they get Baker against Mitch Trubisky in their first ever game against each other? <laughs> that just occurred to me now. Wow. How would that go over? Yeah, what else are the Steelers? Uh, they're not playing the Panthers, right? Is it two home, one road? I think it's uh, two home, one road this year. Yeah, we'll figure it out by August, but we're getting in on the preseason action there, because it will matter for the Steelers because, you know, every it'll alleged- matter for their quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, what kind of edge is that? You know, and they're going to be trying not only to learn the system, but, you know, to your point, there might be an actual quarterback competition there to be concerned about. So, especially if Kenny Pickett plays well in the preseason opportunities he has. Okay, here it is, Mike. It's the Seahawks at the Jaguars, home for the Lions. So two teams that are crappy, that have position battles all over the board, and the Seahawks aren't that much better, and they might have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback or Geno or whoever the hell. So, yeah, the Steelers might be a pretty good bet the preseason three times over. They might, Rabbit. They might. The over might be good in the preseason a few times over because I don't see a lot of those defensive players playing for the Steelers. Do you? I, August is a beautiful time to be uh, involved in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. Will it be a beautiful time for Deontay Johnson? Is he getting a new contract now or what? Uh, boy, if you're them, you're not paying that guy what the market bears now, right? Isn't this one of the reasons why they drafted two of them? I mean, they, they come That's out. What I and- said when they got Pickens in Austin. Yeah, I. I I like him as a player. I, I think he's got a chance to be great, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it by throwing this kind of money around. And even if he is great, I don't know that these guys are worth it. Any of them, um, you know, other than a very select few. And uh, if I'm going to pay a guy that money, it's going to be somebody uh, that is just over the top. The guy from Minnesota, uh, you know, Brown, uh, AJ Brown, somebody like that. Um, Terry McLaurin, really? Or Trey, whatever the hell his name is, Buckeye. Sort of a corn, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the ultimate argument against him and Deontay Johnson is their greatest um compliment, which is they've been even better than what their draft position was, yeah. yeah so just get, the next you can go third out and get that guy the next year anyway, 
they're only putting about 60 guys out a year from the college ranks that are really good receivers. You know, the one thing that stands out to me that separates guys is either superhuman size combined with speed, like, you know, kind of DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, something like that. You know, if you're Jamar chase, if you're big and fast and a big, yeah. turn, like that's, that's a little extra like that. Chase, I get. What's the guy in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson. Yes. He's a dif- difference maker to me. Chase is a difference maker. I, I think AJ Brown is still just scratching the surface. Or you um, are a supremely excellent route runner like Cooper Cup or Antonio Brown. You, you just do everything what, r- way better than everybody else. Uh, but you, you have Cooper Cup. Um, the rest of them, hey, grab one where you can. Uh, you know they're 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 in to some degree a product of the offense that they're in. Uh, I'm not trying to devalue the position, but I think it's been way over overpriced of late. And I don't know why uh, that's happened all of a sudden, because I, I, I think the rest of the NFL scouts see what I see every February when I start looking at what's available for the upcoming draft. And that is that there's a zillion receivers of all shapes and sizes. Well, Mike, to a certain degree, they're ignoring their own precedent in the NFL when it comes to wide receivers, because they've done this. And I think intelligently with running backs. They're a dime a dozen coming out. You know what their shelf life is. You know what their carries numbers is before you start to see a decline. You know what the value is between a really good one and a relatively average one. You can find one on the fifth round or sixth round. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't don't follow their own blueprint with wide receivers, and I don't get it. I I don't understand it either, but uh, I I think uh, hopefully they – Deontay Johnson could be taken at his word that he's going to show up to camp and work hard. And the only thing he can control is how well he plays. And I think uh, if he has a big year, he's playing elsewhere next year. He's probably playing elsewhere next year. Anyway, the way this market's going. Yeah. It's funny to me that, um, yeah, I was looking, I just happened to notice this, not that these stupid awards mean anything, but like the ESPYs are coming out and TJ Watt is a finalist for an ESPY. And the other three finalists are Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Rodgers, and Cooper cup. And I was looking at the numbers that Cooper Cup put up last year. How was he not the MVP again? And, like, why wasn't I lobbying more for him to be the MVP? It's like, oh, yeah, Rodgers had a great year. Let's give it to Rodgers. If not Rodgers, hey, that's one hell of a defensive year for T.J. Watt. Boy, Jonathan Taylor put up some great numbers. It wasn't even close. Cooper Cup was the best player in football last year. He was amazing. On the best team, right? On what I think that's what it was. I just didn't understand or was not willing yet to think of the Rams in those terms. Yeah, I mean T.J. Watt, he had a great year. His team went nine seven and one and got blown into the next life in the playoffs. Uh, the Colts didn't make the playoffs. Uh, the Packers got in and then did what they do: lose. All the, I, that was another thing that came up this week was all this flashing back to Super Bowl forty five with the Steelers and the Mendenhall fumble because he said he didn't really fumble, and then Mike Tomlin's soliloquy about what the loss of Super Bowl 45 meant to the legacy of those Steelers who were there, that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm going back and kind of reading and recounting and reliving that Super Bowl. And it hit me like, what if the Steelers had won that and Aaron Rodgers still didn't have a Super Bowl? Like how differently would we view him now as opposed to then? Would he still be in Green Bay? And all the drama that we've seen would have taken on a different tone to the point that he actually did leave. Like you want to play that butterfly effect game with me there? Like what if, what if they actually didn't win that Super Bowl? Is he gone from green Bay by now? I think he is. Uh, it's remarkable. I've never gotten this, but you know, team sports are team sports. 
and guys get credit for being a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a Stanley Cup goaltender. Sidney Crosby has three cups. Did he win those by himself? Like, and does that mean Chris Kunitz is better because he has four? Like, that's we, got. We do selectively so, apply that, don't we? Oh my God! It's, you talk about moving goalposts and and something that has really taken on a life of its own and has, it really shouldn't. Hey, I'm all for guys performing in the clutch, and I believe in clutch. But sometimes you can only do so much. I think Ernie Banks was pretty good. I think Dan Marino was pretty good. There's guys that never won anything that were really good. Uh, some guys are in a better position, and they win more. Uh, it's it's way over overemphasized. Something else I realized in going back through some of that research was, do you remember Green Bay being favored in that game? Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I do. I don't know why. Like, I always have to be reminded of that. I feel like the Steelers were the favorite because they had done it twice since 2005. It was Green Bay's first time there. It was a narrow margin. I think it was only two and a half points, three points a kickoff, but they were 10 and six. You remember that? They were 10 and six. The Steelers were 12 and four, but they were what the Steelers were in 05. They were a wild card team that got hot. And then I think everybody sort of saw it coming. I, I still thought the Steelers were going to win that game going in. Um, I kind of felt that way until Mendenhall fumbled. Uh, they were actually even making a comeback after Mendenhall fumbled. But you know, yeah, they got the ball in the same scenario. Uh, enough time to go down and score a touchdown and win the game at the very end. They just couldn't pull off the, the magical drive this time. But the game did go over, Tim. Oh, it went over. Oh, it went over. I remember it going over. It went over. I think it went over on the two-point conversion, the Randall L play. Yes, it did. Yeah. And that was part of what Tomlin was talking about because th- I think that was the touchdown that Hines scored. Is Hines a Hall of Famer if he's the MVP of that game? Like, you know, let's say Kieran Fox doesn't get that stupid penalty and they do march down the field and they do score and Hines gets himself another 20 yards and catches another touchdown. He's the MVP again. Does that change? This is sort of the same point of what you're talking about. Super Bowl winning coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback. What about a Hall of Famer yeah. if you're a two-time Super Bowl MVP? Like Scotty Bowman's the greatest coach in hockey history, right? Because he won how many cups? Ten or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Gee, he was on the Canadian. He was the Canadians coach in the late seventies. Like this is before the cap, and they had just the, the draft had been rigged in the Canadians' favor for a long time. We still weren't very far removed from that situation. The regional, you know, the regional guys. Yeah they, yeah, they used to get all the French Canadian guys. He coached the Red Wings when they were the Russian five. Like. He had Mario, you know, after they won it the year before. Scotty Bowman's greatest talent was always making sure he coached the best team. <laughs> Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson I mean, not, was like that. Not to belittle his greatness, but come on. He was in the right place at the right time a lot. Uh, so we talked about Deontay Johnson. What else, Mike? They're going to get themselves another running back. They're going to get themselves another outside linebacker. What's going what's gonna to happen personnel-wise before camp is over, do you think? You know, stay tuned. They, they they have done, I think, a good job in recent years of not being married to what they think is going to happen. And sometimes they get to camp and they, oh, but we better go get a corner. We better go get a tight end. Oh, this guy was didn't think Joe Hayden would be on the market. Let's go get him. Uh, stay tuned on the moves. I think they've done a good job of uh, to use a Tomlinism being light on their feet of late. But uh, they do have some cap space. They have some options. One guy I wanted to talk about before we get out of here is Anthony McFarland Jr. And uh, he's done basically nothing for, what is it, two years now? Yes. Um, I remember going to Heinz Field last year, Tim, for the training camp practices, and I remember seeing formations where the backfield was empty and 
Najee Harris was wide right and Anthony McFarlane was slot right, or they were both wide right on either side of the field or some configuration where both of those guys were on the field together. And I want to see what Matt Canada does with uh, the McFarland speed factor. Uh, I think there is uh, something to be gleaned from having McFarland play a complimentary role in a Matt Canada offense. So to answer your question about a running back, I mean, if you need a guy to slog and just take some carries, I'm not convinced Benny Snell isn't that guy. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago. He was able to finish out games or take over in games when Connor got hurt. Uh, there's a runner there. He's just not, a, not as good at making three moves behind the line of scrimmage as Najee Harris was last year. You know, we were joking yeah. on the morning show this week. Najee Harris was a thousand yard back last year. He should have gotten credit for being a 2000 yard back because his yards should have started counting when he was handed the ball. Because yeah, he did going some, horizontally to avoid tacklers. He did some of his best work to get back to the damn line of scrimmage and gain two yards instead of losing four. Their offensive line has to be better this year. They've addressed it. The guys that are still going to be a part of it got more experience. Uh, I don't think running back is a scream in need, I guess, is, uh, is my suggestion to you. Maybe the outside linebacker thing uh, has moved up the list now that they went out and got Larry Ogunjobi, which I thought had to be either him or Ndamukong Sue uh, in the wake of the two at retirement, had to get one of those two guys. They got Ogunjobi. Uh, we'll see how wide receiver plays out, what, what Pickens looks like, what uh, the little guy looks like. Uh, you got to be rooting for him, right? Austin, I always root yeah. for NFL athletes that are shorter than me. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a major uh, rule of thumb. I, I thought he would be, uh, you'd be in his corner. Um, stay tuned. I, I, I think there will be additions during camp, but I think they're going to be dictated more on what we see than, than uh, either what the Steelers don't get that they're expecting or somebody else making a Joe Hayden-like release. And all of a sudden, hey, didn't think this guy was going to be available. He's better than what we have. Go get him. When did they sign uh, Melvin Ingram? Late July, early August. Okay, yeah. And so they traded for Schobert after camp started. Yes. So, yeah, something like that's coming. Trey Turner was shortly before camp. I can't tell you where or when. Yeah, Trey Turner was the reaction to DeCastro, right? Yes. Yeah, but even still, but DeCastro was, well, I'm trying to remember now because it was COVID, what the calendar was like. Did, weren't they a little bit more compressed between mini camp and training camp? Yeah, DeCastro was shortly after the veteran mini camp when he didn't do yeah, anything. But that was also closer to training camp. I think, on the I think you're correct on that, yeah. But I remember, um, the, I remember the Hayden uh, Vance McDonald stuff was right at the end of the preseason because I remember we were going down to Carolina for that last preseason game which is usually the worst thing to cover all year in the entire sports calendar because they're not playing anybody that they think is any good, and there's no storylines. And not only did they make two high-profile moves, but Kevin Colbert made himself available to us before the game, and both of those guys were there. McDonald actually played a little bit. Hayden just showed up and watched, but there was actually something to write and talk about besides the meaningless last exhibition game. I'm looking at the odds right now, Mike, and you've always encouraged people, and I agree to stay away from futures until the future is now. Uh, Steelers, though, <laughs> the line right you is, are, George Allen. The line is much more narrow already. It's gone from uh, plus 900 to plus 800 to plus 700 to win the division. So people listening to you there, it sounds like, maybe got in when the odds were long. The odds are getting longer on the Browns, plus 333 now. The Bengals holding tight at plus 190, then the Ravens at plus 165. 
uh, even more of a favorite to win the North than they were last week. I don't know what it was about this week that made people think that I mean, they even lost somebody. They had their tragedy just like the Steelers had, losing a player on the active roster and Jalen Ferguson. Ferguson. Um, and the Steelers lost Haskins earlier in the year. But, uh, yeah, we'll get plenty more into football as we get closer to the start of the preseason. Mike and I will get back together then. Before we go, Mike, uh, final thoughts and predictions on the Penguins. Who's back? Who's not? Oh. How you see things shaking out? I'm not going to predict what they're going to do. I'm just going to tell everybody one more time what I would do, and that is hold the door open for Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. And as I'm patting them on the back for years of meritorious service, I am giving them a, a subtle but significant shove through said door. The Penguins need to change the way they're constructed. They need to play a different game than the one they're playing. And to do that, they need to get different guys than the ones they have. And to get those guys, they need some friggin' cap space. It's gotten funny to me that everybody seems to talk about, well, if they can keep Latang and Malkin on a three-year window to match up with Crosby, dot, dot, dot. Like, it always comes back to that line of logic. Why are they tied this to Crosby? Exactly. So are, are you saying now that all of a sudden the guy that seemed to be in so much better shape than the other two and playing better than the other two is going to retire? Because this is the first I've ever heard Pittsburgh quasi acknowledge that Sidney Crosby not, may not play until he's 45. Because he'll be 38 then, three years from now, by the yeah, time all- that contract is up. As of right now, he's the guy I want way more than the other two to return. Not that he's going anywhere, but his game's fine. The other two have outlived their usefulness. I'm I'm convinced of that. And the whole, you know, one guy, one team, and your legacy and all that crap. Do we think about Wayne Gretzky with uh, any less regard because he ended up playing for the Kings and the Blues and the Rangers? Did I leave one out? I'll take it one step further than that. I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Somebody's saying... I can't, I don't want to live in a world that has Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby on different teams. Well, you lived in a world that had Yager playing against Lemieux. We, as a hockey community, lived through a world where Messier, Coffey, and Gretzky were all on different teams together, and Messier won a cup. And Joe Montana played for the Kansas City Chiefs. So did Mike Webster. Are those guys regarded any less in San Francisco or Pittsburgh? Well, the other thing about it is, like, if you keep if we're kicking the can down the road to three years, so it aligns when Sidney Crosby's contract is up, are we then inferring they're all going to go out together? And if they all go out together and Sid plays three more years with McKinnon in Colorado or two more years with McKinnon in Colorado and Latang is playing into his late 40s with the Canadians, does it make you feel better because they all left at the same time? And now you're left to rebuild around just Jake Gensel as opposed to having an opportunity to start rebuilding now with Gensel and Crosby and Rust together? Like, the logic is backwards to me. It doesn't have to be a tear down and rebuild, but you got to retool and you got to change what you're making. Uh, Remember the movie, um, the race car movie, uh, I'm blanking up days of thunder Ford, Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. Yeah. And they're talking about Ford is they're, they're making all these practical cars. And he said, no, we're going to start making fast cars. Like the penguins have to change what they're making, what they're trying to uh, produce. And I got to give credit to our buddy, Joe Bartnick, uh, the comedian, uh, who's of course uh, really into hockey and the Penguins in particular. Does a hockey and podcast? Yeah. He, he tweeted the other day. He'd rather have Josh Manson than Crystal Tank. So would I. You know, Manson. They couldn't trade for him because he made too much money. 
couldn't fit him in under the cap. Uh, Colorado got him. I think it was a second round pick and a defensive prospect, but there was a lot of salary involved. Go sign that guy's a free agent. He's got some edge. He's got some grit. Did you see him committing a penalty that they didn't call that led to the cup winning goal? That's the kind of guy I want. You know, if Jacob Drew was throwing elbows, get somebody to throw him back. Um, or or TJ Miller for at least one year and the same amount of oh, money that Brian Rust is making. That's great example. I mean, get some guys that play with some grit and some sand and can cycle that can clear the front of the net. that can play defense in a defensive end. They don't have nearly enough of these kind of guys. I'm not interested in just uh, watching Crosby get to the finish line of his current contract, which may not be his last in the NHL. Don't drag a lot of baggage along with them. This is so funny. Like, you know, McKinnon's, slobbering all over Crosby. Everybody in Colorado is slobbering over Crosby to the point that I thought he was going to take a lap with the cup after game six in Tampa. And, you know, people are like, well, may, hey, you know what? Nate McKinnon's only got one year left on his deal. Maybe he'll want to come to Pittsburgh. No, I think they're going to extend McKinnon. And I don't rule out Sidney Crosby. No, no, having a vacation suite in Aspen somewhere. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's some nice property in Denver. I'm sure he could find for a couple years. Yeah, but I think the Penguins just need to make the decision. And, uh, you know, Josh Yoey, our buddy uh, from The Athletic, wrote uh, what I thought was an interesting piece this week, just kind of reporting what he's been able to pick up while working the phones and the back channels and the people that talk to the people that talk to the people. And uh, the synopsis, if I'm remembering correctly, is there's not a great urgency on the Penguins' part to re-sign Malkin, but they really want to sign Latang as long as it's their price. Let them both go. Let them go and give yourself some some room to operate and change the complexion of your team. If not in free agency, uh, at least if you have cap room, you can make some trades. It's a lot easier than trying to fit a guy in uh, with very little room to do so. Mike, enjoy the uh, month, month and a half off. Thanks for doing this. I think we tapped into something baseball-wise that we're going to have to stay in touch with even when we're not doing the podcast here. Keep the lines of back channel communication open. <laughs> That's right. Keep tabs on Alec Manoa. Keep tabs on second halves of double headers. Second uh, on- or two two X pirate pitcher matchup. Two X pirates. Don't assume I noticed those minus 11 and a half over unders. Let me know when those <laughs> pop up. The occasional high strikeout total for a good strikeout pitcher against a crappy team. Uh, these are all the things that we've been able to hunt and back. And uh, we will be back for the Pittsburgh City Cast. After the 4th of July, we're taking a couple days off uh, for the holiday weekend, and then we will be back after that and get you through July all the way up until training camp. And I'm sure we'll have a bunch of podcasts from Late Trobe as well. Mike and I will be back there for shows on DVE, iHeartRadio, the iHeartRadio app, and specifically, uh, you can find us on ESPN Pittsburgh and DVE as well. Back at Sharky's Mike, Jukebox, Banana Pepper Pizza, all the traditions finally return this year, except staying in the dorms. Have, have you found your, is there a Chateau Pursuit that's been designated yet? Uh, accommodations are not uh, yet a hundred uh, percent secure, but I'm confident that that will take place. So uh, we'll see you out there. All right. We will talk to you again soon. This is the Pittsburgh city cast brought to you by bet rivers.